take a girl and a guy and they fall madly in love and form a family. Sprinkle in some counseling degrees and a doctorate, a dream of transforming relationships as we know it. And 20 years later, we give you power couple Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. And this is their podcast, Couples Synergy. Welcome back to another episode of Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean. I'm Dr. Ray. And I'm Jean. And this is our podcast about love, marriage, and relationships. Check us out online on our Facebook page, Couple Synergy, or our website, couplesynergy.com. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast or send us any suggestions on topics you'd like to hear more about. And now on to Couple Synergy, an in-depth look at love, marriage, and relationships where we bring you our experiences working with thousands of couples for nearly 20 years. You know, everyone says you need to work on a relationship, but nobody teaches us how. So we've created this podcast to teach people what they can do to create the relationship they've always dreamed of with the partner they fell in love with. In this episode, Jean and I will be talking about getting bored. Mm-hmm. I'm very passionate about this topic. I know you are. You've talked about this with your clients for many years now Mm -hmm. and it is something that I also reiterate with my clients as well. I'm going to read a quote from Quora. It's a quote from Quora and it says, what is the purpose of boredom? It's your mind's way of telling you it requires stimulation. Too much stimulation means you need to rest your mind. If you do that, boredom comes along to tell you that you're ready for more stimulation. It's like inhaling and exhaling. It never ceases to amaze me how many couples we sit across the coffee table with who fill their lives up with so much stuff. Right. They're so busy. I mean, just I'm just thinking of a couple yesterday they were talking. Kids are busy. Yeah. Yeah. They're just running from one activity to another and they just can't stop. Nope. And they clean their house probably way more than we have ever cleaned our house. Right. Their their house is like pristine. Laundry's always done and folded. I, I still to this day I, I don't know how to fold those fitted sheets. <laughs> Me either. I don't know how to do it. I, I was don't know. so glad the maid did it that one time. I know. It lasted for like six months. That was lovely. But some people are just very adamant about filling up all their time with Things to do. Mm -hmm. You know, I think there's some really good reasons people do that. Um, I think on a surface level, they do that because of this lack of an ability to judge when enough is enough. Okay, so it's just constantly overflowing and Mm -hmm. they don't know how to turn the spigot off. Right. So Brene Brown would, in her book, The Gift of Imperfection, talks about this, right? And it's like, it's a, actually a source of feeling ashamed, feeling like you're not enough and you have to just keep, you know, somehow you become the dishes in the sink. And so if the dishes are clean and put away, then you're good. And if there's dishes in the sink, then you're not good. I think this is where anxiety kind of intertwines with self-esteem, mm-hmm. right? And how you define yourself. Right. And so anxiety is a natural emotion we have it for a reason right it it provides us a sense of safety and security if we didn't have anxiety or worry then 
our species would have died out a long time ago. Right. Just paying attention, paying attention to threats, potential threats right. or whatever else survive. is around you. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, our species had to survive in the winter. We're not the fastest or strongest species on the planet. Mm-hmm. So we had to think, and that's the way that we survived. And we had plan. to plan. And part of planning is worrying, mm-hmm. worrying about what potential threats could actually come about. And how do we prepare for that, right? right? Mm-hmm. But the problem with anxiety is that there is no dimmer switch. Mm-hmm. It's either on or off. And many people get into this position in their lives that they don't know how to turn it off. And so, you know, worrying about bills, worrying about money, worrying about the bank account, worrying about your job, working, worrying about advancing in your job. It just, it never stops. And worrying right. about your kids. Worrying about retirement, worrying about your health care plan, worrying about everything. Which is all valid. I mean, all of those things that you work towards in your life, they're valid, right? And you can logically find a reason to have to worry about it. However, on a day-to-day basis, how much energy is being spent on filling your day up with activities because you need to feel productive. You need to feel like you're doing something to abate that worry that you have. Right. You're living to survive instead of living to thrive. I like that. That's a really good, Thanks. really good phrase. Did I you just make it. that up? No, I use it a bit. Okay. Yeah. You know, it's that vigilance we have of being alive physically. And because of that, we do have to pay attention. But most of us live relatively physically safe lives. But we're... For the most of Most of us. Right, right. And, and what we're talking about here is in the United States. Yeah. Food, clothing, right. shelter. Uh, there's not a bear chasing you. You're not going to freeze to death. You know, like natural causes of reasons you would die physically. But anxiety is, is about feeling unsafe. And there's not a physical threat. And your mind and body don't know how to resolve it. And so another reason we don't get bored is because we have so much distraction. And distraction is lovely. Oh, yes. It's <laughs> wonderful. We have so many things in this life, yep. in this society, to distract us. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, and, and anywhere you are, whether you're in your car, even in your house, whatever, there's something trying to grab your attention. Whether it's your kids or your dishes or the TV, or a billboard, or the radio. There's always something that it's very easy. I just posted this on Facebook. I said, you ever pick up your phone to do something? And 30 minutes goes by, and then you're doing things on it, and some things are important, and then you put it down, and then you remember why you went on your phone to begin with. Right, right. Like you never got to it. There's that much distraction. Well, maybe you picked it up because you were going to do something important Mm -hmm. and then you get distracted and you're doing all these things that are not. And then you forget what you were actually trying to do. Well, I was going to say that, you know, that the most distraction I think that we have is in our pockets Mm -hmm. and that's the phone. Right. Right. And, and like I, I picked up one of those Samsung watches. And so not only do you have in your phone, but it like <laughs> projects it to your wrist. So mm-hmm. it's like in your face all the time. Right. That distraction is, it feels important. You know, it feels like urgent, urgent, urgent. Yeah. Right. Especially if you have like a really cool notification tone or something on your phone. Like screaming goats. I, I've, 
I've only done that as as an alarm <laughs> to wake us up. It wakes me up in in fight or flight. <laughs> fight or, right. You know that that distraction it's known, you know, and we we have two places of power. One is our head and one's our heart. And when we have a disconnection between our head and our heart, we are always going to default to our head. Do you know why? Why is that? Because it's known. Yes. In our heads, we know we can plan, we can schedule, we can do all these things that we know, right? We know what our phone's going to do. We know. And right? you can debate it all day. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Right? You can come up <laughs> with... You can take with, both sides of the argument. Yeah, you can come up with every reason why yeah. it, it's valid and why you should do that. And to turn your heart on... <laughs> sounded bad. <laughs> turn your heart on? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like an 80s song. <laughs> we're, we're taking that out, right? <laughs> yeah. So in order to engage your heart or activate your mind and your heart together, it requires the precursor of boredom. Because boredom is the unknown. It's the stopping of all the stimulation in order to allow something else to bubble up. Well, just you think about like, centuries ago you think about us as an agrarian society where we would go out into the fields and we would work and we would have this manual labor and it was very rote it was just repetitive we had to do the same task over and over and over again and many times there wasn't any interaction with other human beings right you're doing your thing you know, your other family members doing their thing. And you had this this time, this period of time where you would just do your action physically, but you would be in your head. Mm-hmm. And you would get bored. Right. And you would have to process a lot of things. Mm-hmm. You would have to process your place in life. You would ha- have to process why you're doing what you're doing. Is that... You know, what you want to do, you would have to process your relationships. If there are things that were happening. Regrets. If someone was grieving. Resentments. Right. All of that. Mm -hmm. There was a space and time for it. And that's the way we, that's the way we are designed to naturally process things. We need to. Mm -hmm. Because if we don't, we just start storing it. Such shoving in a closet. Right. You know, everyone out there, I, I know you guys have closets that are just stuffed with a whole bunch of stuff. I know we have several. And you don't use what's in there. Well, maybe one day <laughs> right? we might. <laughs> or right? one thing every now and then. <laughs> you know, the other thing when you talk about the, that uh, culture of like being in the field or washing your clothes by the river, there were no airplanes. There were no trains. There were no buses. There were no radios. There were no cars or TVs or any other sounds except natural sounds and you you know we have so much bombardment of sound constantly screaming goats <laughs> i mean even where we're recording right now we have to turn things off because they're loud that's right like the hum of the air conditioner or the or refrigerator. the refrigerator right and so you just think what that must have sounded like and you know they didn't have headphones on and they weren't piping in music into their heads it was these natural Silence, maybe they would hear the wind or an animal or 
running water, but they were all natural sounds and natural sounds are very soothing to us and they're soothing to our, that system of anxiety. And, and that would really force you to tune inward mm-hmm. and really hear at that point the loudest sound available, and that is your inner voice. Mm-hmm. And we've had that experience. Yes, we have. Very we, loudly. Very loudly. <laughs> we have attended, both attended, not at the same time, but a 10-day Vipassana meditation retreat, which they offer that all throughout the world. It's free. And it is free. But our experience in, in doing that, it's 10 days where you are absolutely silent. You cannot talk to anyone. You can't maintain eye contact with anyone. You can't read. You can't write. There is absolutely no distraction. They take your phone. Right. They take your car keys. You're in there. You are in there for 10 days. Mm-hmm. And you're meditating mm-hmm. for like 10 hours a day. You know, it's interesting when you hear about people trying to meditate and they're like, oh, I can't shut my mind off. And as soon as you close your eyes and try to meditate, of course, you're going to start thinking, right? And you're going to think really immediately like, oh, I didn't get the dishes done or I, I didn't change the laundry. And then you're going to go, wait, I'm meditating. Then you go into the future, right? Like, oh, I need to run to the store. I need to do this. All of that is really important stuff that our brain needs time to actually think about and process. Right. And we don't have time for it. And if you build it up mm-hmm. over time, of course, if you sit and you have time to process, it's going to come to you like a floodgate. So I don't know if you had this experience, but like day one of the silent meditation retreat, that's what I was thinking about, you know? All the things you didn't do. Yeah. And I was like, but I can't talk to anyone. Right. And I can't do them so if they're not going to get done 12 days from now when i'm done here (laughs) right right (laughs) hopefully someone changed laundry or whatever it was i was thinking about it's really amazing isn't it when you think about all the things and then that runs its course right and you have to stop because there's no point yeah and then you get on to something else you start thinking more more past more future so at this at the same time because you know, I, I went through something similar where I'm thinking about the present, like all the things. Did, did I do this? Did I cross the T's? Did I dot the I's? Did I finish everything that I needed to do, right? Did I, did I meet all the deadlines that needed to be met for the 10 days that I'm going to be gone? And then after that processes, then you start thinking about the past. You go right into the past, and, and now mm-hmm. all the regrets start floating to the surface all the resentments start floating to the surface that even just things you haven't thought about yeah i was gonna say vacation you went on that you you didn't even know that were there right it's like they're just kind of stuck you know in some some crevices along the way i i really think they are because because it feels like they got unstuck Mm -hmm. and they needed that moment of, of passing up through your consciousness and out, you know, I, I, I don't, I think you had that experience, but I certainly did. I, where, did. I definitely did. You know, by the end, everything that became part of the past was no longer needed to think about because it was in the past and you gave it its moment and right. it was gone. And you had so much less concern also about the future because you have no power in the future either. <laughs> right. 
So, you know, don't get us wrong out there. We're not like these um, guru Buddhist monks. Right. You know, we had 10 days of an experience, mm -hmm. and it gave us a perspective that we did not have prior to right. doing that. You know, and that is that we, we get ourselves stuck in this cyclical pattern very easily. Mm -hmm. And it, it's very hard to actually recognize that we're stuck in it. Like, just think about being on your phone and being sucked into whatever it is that you're, you know, sucked into. Mm -hmm. maybe, maybe social media, maybe like games, you know, just going through your thousands and thousands of emails that you have and how much time that you waste on that. Like, if you think about that concept, have I talked about the concept of the minutes with the dollars? I don't. I don't remember if you have. Maybe. You're going to have to remind me. So if every minute you have is a dollar. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember this, yeah. It was on the podcast? No. <laughs> the podcast and our sessions with couples blends I know. together. I know. So, so I'm blends. not, you're going to have to just let everybody know yeah. out there. Yeah. So, you know, if you've heard this before, it's okay because it's really worth repeating that if every minute you have, you have a dollar for. And everything that you do, that you give your attention to, you have to pay for in those dollars. So if you're doing something like social media and you're sitting there for 20 minutes, you give that social media platform $20. But if you're having a conversation with another human being, they're giving you attention and you're giving them attention. And so if you talk for 20 minutes, they're giving you $20, but you're giving them $20. So there's an exchange that doesn't deplete you. And then there's a third category where if you invest that money, you invest it in things that don't have an immediate payoff, like working out or creating something or cleaning something, something that you, you know, have n not decluttered in a while. Mm -hmm. And then you declutter it. And then every time you open up that cabinet, you're like, oh, that feels so much better. Or like working on an art project right. or Writing working a book. on a car, mm -hmm. you know, just something that is a project that takes time and you're investing your energy over time right yeah but it if we're not bored we won't get to that part of it right you know right because we're just going to fill up our time with distraction and it really doesn't matter what that distraction mm -mm. is you know it could be i mean we're talking about the phone because the phone is is the most immediate one but you know people have distracted themselves for years you know vices like alcohol and drugs and you know all sorts of things all sorts of yeah. things gambling yep even exercise or cleaning I mean, those could all turn into that form of thing sure could you imagine like i think i had you do this once but like say you put on your notification someone going ray 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 <laughs> Ray, like, you know, your kids would do or someone annoying would do and you would get sick of it, but you never get sick of your phone doing it. You know, that would be a really good exercise. Like have, yeah. you know, like a little kid say Ray <laughs> and then I have that as the notification. Like every email, every text would be like a little kid tugging on your sleeve, yeah. like, you know, saying dad, 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 right. you know, because <laughs> you'd be like this person wants something from me but when the phone does it it doesn't feel like the phone wants something fr from you it feels like the phone is giving something to you 
but it's not. And it also creates like an anxious feeling. But, you know, couples, when they're coming in and they're meeting with us and they're telling us that they don't even spend any time with each other right. at all. Right. They are working like this this tag team couple of making sure the kids are going to be here and there and the kids are everywhere. The yeah. kids are absolutely overwhelmed. Every minute of their schedule. They're up till 10 o'clock at night doing homework. They have so much responsibility on yeah. their shoulders already. So they're being trained. Mm-hmm. You know, the next generation is being trained on how to just keep busy all the time. Right. And then the parents are just exhausted, right? But they equate feeling exhausted, feeling busy as feeling productive. Right. And feeling successful. Only it has such a high price tag. You know, I remember being a kid and being bored. And my mom would say, oh, you're bored. I have some dishes for you to do. And I'd say, oh, I'm good. And I'd go outside. And other bored kids would be outside because there was a lot of us. And after a bit, you start making stuff up. And we would just like make mud pies or make up games or something. And those always ended up being really awesome times that I remember. Mm-hmm. Or even like doing a, a softball game, you know, just randomly and sp- spontaneously. Right. And, you know, you don't see that very much anymore. Everything's very structured. And there's somebody running the programs and somebody telling you what to do. And there's not that creative flow or even the ability to socialize and learn those social skills, which are not comfortable. Mm -hmm. Because if it's a controlled environment and everyone's doing what they're supposed to be doing, nobody gets left out. Nobody's feelings get hurt. Everything should, in essence, be fine. Mm -hmm. But... If you're making it up, all sorts of things can happen. So let me, I'm going to throw a devil's advocate at you because this is something that I have heard a lot of my clients say, my clients who are coming in and they're saying that, you know, I'm working like 80 hours a week and coming here is really a sacrifice because my wife doesn't understand the responsibilities that I have to provide for the family and to pay the bills. So you're telling me that I need to cut back on work and I need to create time of not doing anything. Is that what you're saying? There was, there was this um, TV show, was these two twin brothers, and they were investigating this one company. And this company was interesting because it was the most productive company Like they won some award for being super productive. Mm -hmm. So they go to this place and they're like, how are these people doing it? And they walk in the office and on everyone's desk is a Nerf gun. And throughout the day, they would have these spontaneous Nerf wars, you know, and they'd run around and be silly. And also on the, on the premise was a big gym with a basketball court. And every day for an hour and a half, everyone on staff would go in this gym and throw a ball around. And, you know, and what they found is that, because they switched out of that part of their brain, they were super more efficient. And we think that if we just keep plugging and plugging and plugging at something, it, it's the equivalent of being productive, but it actually makes us less and less productive. I usually respond with, you know, the analogy or metaphor. I, I, I mix those two up, but 
of traveling on a plane. You know, so a lot of these guys are sitting there throwing this at me are usually business guys and they're traveling a lot. And so, you know, when you're on a plane and you're about to take off and, you know, flight attendants are talking about the safety features and if in event that there is a loss of cabin pressure, the oxygen masks are going to drop down in front of you. And they give an instruction on what to do if you are traveling with small children or someone that is need in need of assistance. And I asked them, what are you supposed to do? And most of them say, you're supposed to put it on the child or the person in need of assistance first. And obviously that is wrong because the instruction is that you are supposed to put it on yourself first and then you are supposed to help those in need. And the reason why is that if you are trying to help someone else that is in need and you don't have a mask on, you are going to lose consciousness and they're going to lose consciousness too. And so both of you are in trouble. So both of you are in trouble. Right. And so it is very important for you to rejuvenate yourself, to give energy back to yourself. Because if you don't have that energy, you have nothing to give. And most people who are working 70, 80 hours a week, they're not. Mm -mm. They're not feeding themselves. They're not giving that energy back to themselves. They're not giving themselves that time to be bored so that they can create. Right. And creativity, and especially they're not doing that with their spouse. Right. And that creativity is something that's essential in every relationship. And, you know, it reminds me of that song. Is it Cats in the Cradle? Mm-hmm. Where, you know, I want to be like you, Dad. And then the dad finally retires, and he's like, hey, son, you want to do something now? He's like, sorry, my kids are busy, and I don't have time now. And it's like they, they just don't live. You know, if someone told you, I need you to sit here and watch TV for five hours, and you are not allowed to give up, get up and do anything else, it would drive you crazy. But if you just sit down, it's so easy for five hours to go by. It's amazing. Yeah, on your phone or right. whatever. You yeah, know. And, yeah, and we don't even realize those really precious moments that we're spending on that. And the, then what happens is we're overstimulated and we're trying to process all that on top of our days. And then we can't sleep at night. And it's just a really vicious cycle. That feeds on itself. Mm -hmm. And that's true whether you're... You know, you can't sit down unless every dish is put away and everything is straightened out. It's the same thing. There's no space or priority for your own self-care. And there's certainly no place for boredom. And then there's no place for creativity. I think a lot of business guys out there, they get the concept of the 80-20 rule. And that is that what are you putting 80% of your energy towards and getting 20% results or mm -hmm. return, right. right? And what are you putting 20% of your energy towards and getting 80% results or 80% return? But they don't apply that to their relationship. They don't apply that to their family. Right. They don't apply that to themselves. Mm -hmm. And when you start looking at it from that perspective, they can't, they can't equate things. They can't equate that sitting and doing a 10-minute meditation actually is going to get you that 80% results or 80% return. You know, spending time with your, your child, spending time with your wife, doing things that are creative and spontaneous 
is going to get you that 80% return. They think that by sitting with their kid and watching their kid play while they are on their laptop or while they are on their phone, that they are putting that energy in. You know, if you think about it, that's why um, it's so dangerous to text and drive because 100% of your attention is there. You know, there's other things you can do if you're eating and driving or if you're... Well, in Illinois, it's a moving violation now. Right. To even touch your phone. Right. Because it's so dangerous because you don't even know <laughs> that a tree is coming towards you. Right. It, it's so 100% uh, grabbing of yourself. You know, if we only get so much energy in a day, you know, and we only have so much time in a day, and our day and our thoughts are consumed with things from the past and the future, then we need more energy than we have just to live, right? Because work is taking a lot and your kids are taking a lot and life is super busy. And so what human beings do is they, if they're not managing their energy well, they borrow it. They have to take right. a loan from somewhere. And you know where the first place we, we take a loan from is? And this information is from Carolyn Mace, yeah. M-Y-S-S. Okay. And she would say the first place we take a loan from is our creativity. And that's really a shame because it's our creativity that we need in order to change. How many people have, you know, put hobbies aside right. because of their quote unquote responsibilities? Right. Especially after there's kids. Then the second place we're going to take a loan from is our relationships. And we hear this all the time. You know, we ask couples, you know, how much time do you spend together? They're like none without screens, none. And, and just then, the two of them. And just the two of them. Nope, we haven't gone on vacation since kids. We haven't done any of that. And then the third place we take a loan from is our physical bodies. Right. That's where we just start going to fast food for lunch, you know, and, and not really taking care of ourselves, skipping going to the gym because, you know, I need to get home. You know, every choice in what we're talking about here makes sense. Mm-hmm. You, you want to spend more time with your kids. You feel guilty about that. You want it sounds to, right. It sounds right, sounds right? Correct. And you could absolutely right. justify it. And, you know, I remember working with a, with a client who loved running. Yeah. Loved it, mm-hmm. right? And he, it was his way of recharging, but he would feel guilty after work, coming home and then wanting to go out on a run because his wife was with the kids all day. You know, and so how could he, how could he do that to her? How could he do that to the kids? Take that time away from them. And so then, you know, you start diminishing Mm -hmm. that time that you're spending on recharging yourself so that you could put it towards them. But that time is, is not quality. Mm -mm, Because you're depleted. And you know, a better idea would be, Hey, I'm going to come home and go for a run and then I'm going to give you a break you go do you. And then by the time we're getting the kids to bed, we're both sort of re-energized and we can hang out together. And it, it's weird because we try to do everything all the time. You know, when I was a kid, my parents didn't come to every softball practice or whatever else I was doing. Like maybe there was a carpool and we would get there and we would get back, but they didn't sit there the whole time. And there's a lot of both parents at everything for every kid all the time. It's those little things that if you tweak a little bit and stop feeling so guilty about that you can find those stolen moments 
and, and sort of tag team and support each other in that. You know, if we get back to boredom, sometimes I, I give uh, the, the people I work with the homework of they have to go sit in a chair for 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah, that's always funny to see their face <laughs> when you say that, yeah. Sometimes I'll shorten it for 15 because I know <laughs> there's no way they're going to do it. And, you know, then they come back and they're like, I'm like, did you do it? And they're like, yeah. Yeah, but before they do yeah. that, when you say that, they get wide-eyed. Oh, yeah. And they freak <laughs> out because they're like, I can't sit there for 30 minutes, you know. Well, then I'll step it up and I'll say, okay, three hours. You have to get in your car. You have to leave the house. And you have to go do whatever you want. But you can't run any errands. You can't do anything productive. You do whatever you feel like for those three hours. And, you know, that length of time is necessary. Because, like, the first hour you're spending, like, what am I going to do? Da, 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 da. And then all of a sudden maybe you drive past a coffee shop and you decide to pick up a book and you go and sit and read somewhere or you go for a walk or whatever it is that you end up doing. But your mind is slowly de decompressing and allowing that cre creativity to come back up so you can figure out, wait, what is it I want? Hmm. Yeah, it, it has to be said, people out there, that this is a habit, right? That it doesn't happen overnight. It happens gradually over time where you start sacrificing things. And justifiably, you are sacrificing things. But it gets to a point where it's very skewed and you are depleted, you can't sleep, and you are exhausted, and your appetite is affected, and your kids are affected, your relationship is affected. You know, it, it is systemic. And, and if you don't start the change little by little in another direction, it just only gets worse. Because we weren't designed to live like that. No. I, I think we have to take just a moment and talk about the word selfish. All right. So let's say you are in the middle of a downtown city, and you're on the first floor of a building and the window's open. Now think about what you would hear outside the window. What would you hear? In Chicago? Yeah. Um, someone yelling mm -hmm. pretty much and um, honking of horns mm -hmm. and, um, you know, the L. And what would you smell? Um, garbage <laughs> <laughs> right or exhaust you know beams, whatever you, you know, know but cooking <laughs> smells whatever sure right now say you're at the exact same address same building but now oh or one more thing what do you see when you look out the window oh you would see people walking by you would see you know delivery people you would see just the hustle and bustle mm -hmm. of the city yeah all right now we're in the same building now i want you to go up to the 55th floor and you're out on the balcony. Now tell me, what is it that you hear? You would hear the distant sounds of traffic, the distant sounds of maybe a siren or something. You might hear the wind. Mm -hmm. What do you smell? You wouldn't smell anything that you would smell on the first floor. Mm -mm. You would smell maybe, you know, like... Fresh air. Fresh air, yeah. yeah. What would you see? You would see like an expansion. The sky, the lake. The sky, it was specifically in Chicago, right. maybe the lake, right. if you have a really good view mm -hmm. and paid for it. Right. 
you know, you would see maybe other neighbors, you know, people across the way and other skyscrapers, you know, doing their, their thing on the balcony, whatever, you know, and you would see life from a very different perspective. Right. And selfishness is like that. When you're on the first floor and let's say there's X amount of food and 10 people in the room and you eat it all, that's bad selfish. That's yeah. not, that's not cool. No, that's not good at all. But when you get up to the 55th floor, there's no selfishness in breathing the air. You can't steal it from anyone. It doesn't hurt anybody. In fact, it makes you a better person, which benefits everybody else. So if you take better care of yourself and you allow in literally, if you're being creative in your life, which is the, on the other side of boredom, you're a better parent, you're a better partner, you're a better friend, you're a better everything, and you're healthier. Absolutely. And the easiest way to do that is to look at the things in your life that you're spending that money on, that dollar for attention, that doesn't give you a return. I, I think this is one of the most difficult things. Terrifying. <laughs> it is terrifying. Terrifying. For, you know, to the couples that, that we are teaching it is one of the most difficult things to teach. Why do you think? Because they're so locked in and they have this death grip on what their lives are like. And for them to let go of that, it brings up so much fear. Yeah, because they're, they're going to feel. When you're in that robotic mode and you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, you don't have to feel. And understandably here, yeah, right? For sure. There is going to be a floodgate. Mm -hmm. You know, when you first start to let go, that's when all of those past resentments and regrets and everything comes to the surface yeah. and hits you and you have to process it because mm -hmm. you've been storing it away. Right. Right. You have this, this deficit, this debt that you have to go through, you have to process and that's what a lot of people are afraid of. And, you know, I, I, I can totally understand that. You know, we were listening to a podcast, and I don't remember the woman who was teaching about this. Um, it was on JLD's podcast, Entrepreneurs on Fire. John Lee Dumas. John Lee Dumas. And she was saying that... I love that guy. Yeah, he's awesome. The, she was saying that the only way you can break out of this is by having an S-E-E. S-E-E. A significant emotional event. Oh, that's pretty cool. So if you need a significant emotional event, you I can wait that. till you have a heart attack. You mm -hmm. can wait until you're sick. You can wait until you get fired. You can wait until your life blows up. And she would say that, why don't you just create that metaphorically and just start changing? Why wait until there's a bigger problem if your life is out of balance? So we would recommend getting bored, getting bored together. Hashtag get bored together. Yeah. We just came up with that. I'm sure someone else came up with it anyway, but we thought it up. So one of the things that, that we do as a couple, we'll just go and stay in an Airbnb somewhere mm -hmm. and we don't turn on the TV and we unplug. Mm -hmm. Some of these places are remote and there's not even internet, which is actually quite lovely. It's very, a little bit difficult. <laughs> <laughs> and and we do really cool stuff, you know, right, right. and stuff that is just silly and made up or whatever. And 
you feel just great after doing that. Just taking a little bit of time out and recharging. Obviously, if your life's really busy, you can't do that all the time. But even if you can do a couple hours somewhere and just shut it, shut everything down and just hang out. Right. I mean, we're talking to couples who the last time they ever took a trip together, the two of them was like their honeymoon. We know people that haven't even gone to dinner together without their kids ever. Right. And family time is very important, but couple time is significantly important. It, it's the glue of the family. If your coupleness breaks down, what happens to your family? You are the cornerstone, right. obviously. And it's always easier to go, well, you know, my partner is an adult and so they can wait, but my kids aren't, so they can't wait and neither can the bills and neither can the job. And we don't put that as a priority. So we really recommend that you get bored together. It is okay, even if you fall apart for a little bit. And one of the things that we recommend and we assign our couples are something called a walkabout. Yeah, yeah. Right, and the walkabout really is kind of centered around getting bored. Mm-hmm. You know, removing those distractions and being in a space where you have to really answer to yourself. Take a look at your feelings. Take a look at your thoughts. Really figure out who you are, where you begin, where you end. Because it's only in figuring that out where you know where you can fit into a relationship. People always talk about being stuck in a rut. A rut is a real thing. It is. Yeah. It literally is your brain, the neurons in your brain that fire together, wire together, drive the same way to work every day. You sit in the same chair. You sit at the same place at the table every night. Mm -hmm. Whatever you're doing is rote, rote, rote. You cut a path and then you reinforce that path Mm -hmm. over and over and over again. And so when you go somewhere you've never been and you do something you've never done, you get out of your rut. You have to think in a different way. Have to. Right. Yeah. And you are going to get bored. Absolutely. You're absolutely going to get bored, especially when you remove all distractions. And boredom is not comfortable. No. No, but it's necessary. Because on the other side of boredom is real life. So we hope that you've enjoyed listening to Couple Synergy today and our topic about hashtag get bored together. We hope that by listening to this podcast is not only beneficial for your life, but also for your relationship. For all of you listening out there, please subscribe to our podcast and please leave a review. We really appreciate all the reviews that have been given so far. This has been a really wonderful journey. For yeah, that's Gina our I. only feedback. It's really fun to get those <laughs> reviews. If you have any questions, comments, or topic suggestions, please email us at contact at couplesynergy.com. For more information about Couple Synergy and our programs such as Relationship 101, the Couples Weekend Intensive, and our premier program called Couple to Couple, look us up online at couplesynergy.com. And if you know someone who could benefit from getting bored, <laughs> that's good. Hashtag getting bored together. Please share this episode and thank you for listening. Until next time, synergize your life, synergize your love. You have been listening to Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean Kedkodian. 
Couple Synergy was recorded, edited, and produced by Dr. Ray and Jean Katkodian, along with Organizational Director Calvin Javier and Marketing Coordinator Bridget Reese. Voiceover and music entitled Breathe and Let Go was recorded and composed by Gina Gonzalez.